Welcome, everybody, to the release of the Devi Guide. Uh, we wanted to record a little um, introduction here. We wanted to talk a little bit about our process and just, you know, talk a little bit about what went into this guide here as we release it. You know, we got uh, all of us here from Campus to Canton who contributed on it. We got Austin Nace, uh, Matt Bruning, uh, Corey Pereira, and Mike Valerie here, and myself, Colin. Um, Felix Sharp also contributed on the guide, was not able to be on the podcast with us here today, but uh, we got everybody else here. I, th I think we should also give a shout. You're already doing it. You're going to drive this bus off the cliff. I, oh, I shouldn't drive this bus. This is the Moon Knight scene in the ice cream truck or whatever. You're just going to take this thing off the edge. Um, Dwight did a lot of editing, so good call. Dwight needs a shout out, and Hannah helped us design a lot of this as well. Uh, if anybody doesn't know Hannah, um, she... Western Kentucky expert uh, and, and has been writing for us here for a few months. So um, there you go. Go back to you, Colin. Awesome. Thank you. I'm sure I'll uh, be tagging in again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, as I drive this bus off the cliff. But yes, I apologize, Dwight, Hannah. Thank you for everything that you guys did as well. Um, Jarek uh, gave us a little bit of info on the stats here too as well. So a lot, lot of team effort here, but just wanted to start out here with uh, the purpose of this guide. So with this guide, Debbie, not easy. Uh, there's a lot of projection, a lot of player evaluation that goes into it. And most people obviously aware of the top guys, Bijan, JSN, Bryce Young. But if you're in a league that has a Debbie draft that's deeper than, you know, one to two rounds, those guys are going to be gone early. And, you know, the hardest part is finding time to watch and research some of these deeper players and, and having the evaluation skills that you trust enough to, to confidently draft a guy in round five, um, just like you would in round one or two. Um, so that's what this is here for, you know, it's to help you with the film side of things, the analytics side of things, um, give you a complete picture of a player like Bijan and a complete picture of a player like Andrew Paul, incoming freshman who's a little bit deeper. You know, that way you can make an informed decision in your Devi draft, and again, just be confident in your pick. We picked a lot of stats for this guide. We wanted to provide a complete side of things. You know, most of us are more film experts than analytics, um, but obviously, analytics plays a huge role in this. Um, so, Austin, why don't you tell us a little bit about the stats that we chose? You know, why we chose them, and what's good. So, <clears throat> we chose a, a pretty wide range of stats. I'm not sure how I ended up being the stat guy here tonight because I am not a stat guy. Um, You're but the biggest I, I, stat guy here. But, but I know a couple of – I know a little bit about some things. Um, so I guess we can start with quarterback. Um, we have six different uh, categories for advanced stats on here. Uh, QBR and, and EPA are kind of the two big ones you'll hear people talk about. Uh, the data guys, they kind of seem to have the best uh, correlation to uh, future NFL success. Um, we also added rush yard share. I don't know that we that we have like a specific rush yard share threshold that that a quarterback should hit, but it should be positive. And it, and I know coming out of high school, a lot of these kids need to hit ten percent. So it's probably less than that that in college to be successful. But you know, with the NFL moving toward mobile quarterbacks, you want to hear you want to see something that's probably a positive number. And plenty of these guys have a negative number. So I think that that should be a red flag right there for you. Um, we also broke down EPA into pass slash rush per play, just so you can get a better idea of where a player is adding value. Um, but, but like I said, QBR, EPA are, are the two big ones here. Um, and you really want to see, you know, by year two, 
for a lot of these guys, you want to see a QBR of like 75 plus that that's kind of the range uh, that we're looking at there. Um, and then in terms of EPA, uh, you want to see a total, I believe above like 175 or so for the year, I believe is kind of the cutoff by year two. Um, so those are, are the big uh, thresholds there. Uh, let's go over to running back. We had uh, a couple different categories here. Um, and, and there are some of the big ones that, that are, get tossed around in the running back debate. Backfield dominator rating is exactly what it sounds like. It is just how much of the backfield a running back uh, uh, owns in terms of production and, and touches. Um, we don't necessarily, again, have a threshold here that you want to see a guy hitting. But obviously, by year two, year three, you want to see these guys owning you know, 60, 70, 80% of the backfield. We have a couple guys that hit over 90 uh, multiple years in college. And obviously that's great to see and suggest maybe a guy can be a bell cow. Uh, we did break out just regular dominator rating as well. So you can see, you know, what was he just dominating a low, a low uh, uh, production backfield or, or was he kind of a significant guy within an offense? You can kind of compare those two numbers. Obviously he has a 90% backfield dominator rating, but a, a 15% regular dominator. It, this, this team isn't really built for running and, and he's probably not, not, contributing a whole lot there we also had a receiving market share important uh as as the Brees hall kenneth walker debate has shown us this offseason um just at average average rush yards per team attempt and then and then some avoided tackles as well um so you can kind of get uh, an idea of uh, of just kind of how well-rounded a running backs game is then we head over to wide receiver um and the i think wide receiver the community has the best idea of what's going on analytically and then so we use a lot of these these same thresholds you know weighted dominator rating uh you want you want to see a guy probably hitting 30 percent or so by year two or, or certainly close to that um uh, receiving market share avoided tackles you know receiving yards per team pass attempts kind of blends uh, efficiency and production as well so all these things go together um, and, and we have them listed for literally every single player for every year they're in college. So you'll, you'll get a feel, even if you're not that familiar and this explanation wasn't, wasn't, you know, stellar enough. Um, it, you'll, you'll kind of go through and see, oh, you know, this guy's 25%, this guy's 1%, you know, you, you'll, you'll get an idea real quick of, of what's kind of good, what's kind of bad as you look at all these different guys. Yeah. And then tight end, same stats as, as wide receivers too. In um, reality, tight end is just RAS <laughs> and how big and fast are they? But we don't have that yet. So we kind of gave some, some, you know, we quantified production and efficiency up to this point. It matters a little bit, but, but at the end of the day, and we mentioned this, if it's in the write-up, you know, this guy's been super productive, but he, he can't run at all and basically catches the ball and falls over. That's a bad thing. Like we try to contextualize all of this uh, as we talk about each individual player. Right. And, and like I said, you know, we, are more of a film group here, but the stats side of things, definitely relevant. Um, another feature we had into this guide here is, is something called a my guy. Um, and Matt, you want to tell us a little bit about my guy? Yeah. So as Austin was just mentioning with all these stats in these profiles, we have over 260, I believe it's 263 profiles written up to be exact. There are six of us that participated in this you're obviously not going to see us agree on every single one of these guys. So the My Guy badge, which you will find in the profile, it'll be right under the tier badge as you scroll through and look at these. And we'll probably talk a little bit more about these guys on the podcast here later. Is kind of a way for us to signify we believe that these guys should have been ranked higher, even though based on consensus, they were lower. So I'll, I'll give you guys My Guy. 
probably not a surprise to anybody who actually knows me. I'm my guide, Kyle McCord. And that was because when we ranked him, we put him in tier five. And the way that my guy worked was, I believe, as in he is my guy, that he should be ranked higher and that we moved them up a tier. So that bumped him up into tier four for us at quarterbacks. There's multiple different players throughout this guy that each of us, my guy, just because we believe in our evaluations and what we think that player can be. And so that's how you are allowed to use it. We were limited to two each per uh, person that contributed to this guide. Not everybody used both of theirs. I am almost positive. everybody. Yeah, everybody used at least one. I know that for a fact. Some used two. Some of us did not use both of ours, but that's pretty much what the my guy was, is just to say, hey, like, I believe this guy deserves to be higher in the guide and more talked about. And so we wanted to signify that. So in a year when Kyle McCord absolutely blows up, you guys are like, oh, man, that Matt Bruning guy was smart. And then when you go and look at the guy that Mike Valerie, my guy, and like, oh, my God, that guy flamed out. We can talk about how bad Mike's analysis was, but that's really just what it was. It's just a, I'm just messing with you, Mike. It, it's just a, uh, we, we bullied Mike into picking his, my guys. We, uh, it's just a, a way to signify like who we really believe in as those, as those analysts on looking at those players. Yeah. And we, we really felt that it was important for everybody to have their voice heard in this whole process. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, we had multiple calls and everything like that, but, if you really want, really believe in a guy pounded the table, we wanted a way to, you know, show support for that and to, you know, signify that, Hey, this is a guy, this is Matt's guy. This is Mike's guy. Um, along with the, along with that, you know, you talked about how they raised up one tier. Um, we did tier all of our rankings. Um, so I'll kick this one over to you, Corey. Why don't you explain a little bit about, you know, why we tiered things and just a brief process of the tiers. Yeah, so Matt was kind of talking about it too, and and really, it, it's hard to come to a consensus with a group of five or six people. Um, so really, a tier based approach is is kind of the best way to attack this thing. Um, we range most of our stuff from tier zero, which is obviously your true studs that we have like full confidence in and being impact players for your dynasty roster. Uh, I think we only choose two players in the whole guide uh, at that level, so uh, it really is the gold standard for Devi. And uh, we went all the way to tier eight which uh, generally means that our interest is very little in this person. But, you know, if we felt they were worth mentioning, at least, so at least if they blow up, we can put our put our receipt on them that they were at least in there. Um, you know, we we uh, voted on who belonged in each tier and what names they were going to be with. And then, you know, within the tier, we gave a ranking to everybody within a tier, you know. So if there was five guys in a tier, we would rank them out of five. Everybody would give them a, a number and uh, we'd come to a consensus, you know, but generally most of these guys in each tier are, are kind of interchangeable. At least we feel like, and, and as Matt mentioned, you know, we, we also voted on uh, the, my guy. So that's a guy that we're going to bump up in a tier, um, uh, slap the, my guy badge on there, but, but overall it felt like the best process to come to a general consensus with all of us and uh, really get our personal, our personal preferences across and come to a solid consen uh, consensus. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really the best way to do it, too, because there's so many wide ranging opinions on players that, you know, you, you got to pull the consensus and, and just put them into tiers. And then within that, like you said, you know, rank with with within those by, you know, just on average. But uh, this was a this was a great process. You know, I, I had a lot of fun doing this with you guys, you know, hopping on calls on Thursday nights, you know, arguing uh, why certain players should be a little bit higher than others, you know, why Mike's guy sucks. Um, you know, so uh, I just kind of want to open the floor here for, for this, just anybody to talk about, you know, what they really enjoyed with our process here. You know, if, if they want to expand on how we rank things, how we decided tiers, the way we structured write-ups, just, um, 
you know, just want to open this up to anybody at this point. I yeah. I enjoyed it all immensely. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I liked. I felt like it broadened my horizons a bit more too. I mean, I, I keep saying that I don't look at quarterbacks. I still really didn't look at quarterbacks that much, but I really enjoyed reading other other people's write ups and stuff like that. So it was kind of cool seeing what other people thought and maybe kind of think about my process too, and just made me reassure myself that my process is better than everybody else here. So I was feeling pretty good about that. Hey, we had a, we had a lot of quarterbacks ranked the same. So <laughs> not sure if that's a good thing. Yeah, we'll find out. We'll find out. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed the whole process. I also really enjoyed the templates here that you guys made me because it made it a lot more simple. Because at first when it's like, we're going to write 270 profiles or whatever, that's like a really daunting task. And then once I open up the template, I'm like, this is pretty easy, actually. Never mind. This will be doable. Yeah, I think, Austin, you were the one who kind of created the, the rough structure of that template, or was that Matt? Um, so, I mean, like Matt originally, Matt with Hannah kind of created the how the pages were going to look on the actual guide here. We, we've released a couple of them on Twitter. Uh, if you haven't seen those or in the Discord, if you're in there, just go ahead and check those out. Um and then I just based the template off of exactly what that looked like in, in Google Docs. So I w- was not a particularly creative effort on my part, um, but but uh, tried, tried to mirror it as close as possible to make Matt's life just a little bit easier. And I'm sure I probably didn't, but I tried really hard. So No, it was you guys all did a wonderful job. I, you know, it's been a, it's been a great, great working process. I haven't had any issues at all. Um it, I, I really did uh, have fun with the calls, if I'm being honest, like just not even hearing. I mean, I have worked closely with Austin and Colin now for for over a year. I, I know how they feel and think about most players. So getting to sit, I mean, most of those calls that we had Thursdays were going for two hours. Uh, there were there were times there was one. I think it was the wide receiver call where we were sitting there and it was like 1030 at night. And I'm like, I got to be up at two. Like, we need to wrap this bad boy up. But it was it was fun to hear Corey and Mike's thoughts on this and just kind of learning from them as well and kind of what they see in players where our differences was like. That was the most fun for me was just kind of seeing where everybody else views things, what's important to them and how we differ on these players. And And I think that's what makes our guide so interesting is because we did we said it wasn't just a hey this guy oh yeah he goes here and everybody agreed no we had legitimate arguments at times throughout that and putting players in there it was it was pulling teeth and and everything and, and pulling hair to get players into certain spots and i think that's what makes this so good is we all had to sit here and like struggle to figure out where we wanted to put these guys to best help whoever looks at this like it, it's that important to us that we want you guys to succeed based on what our guide does for you Colin yeah. actually Colin actually got me so worked up one night that I got in the car and started driving toward Lancaster to whoop his butt. And I was like, this is just not worth it. I turned around and went back home. How, how far like did you get? Hour. About how a half an hour. Oh, half hour in? Okay. Yeah. It took you a half an hour to finally cool down? About that. You okay. got me really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Felix bought plane tickets to come uh, to come talk to Matt after uh, <laughs> after the wide receiver one. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty bad. Um. <laughs> We were going to release those, and now we can't. Yeah, we can't. We went <laughs> back and Matt listened and to them and realized, ah, this is not the best to put out. Edit out 58 minutes worth of six, the 60-minute content because it's just Matt and Felix trying to kill each other. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things I really appreciated about the whole process was, and this is kind of what I was meant by the structure of the write-up and the template, was um, you know, the way we structured our write-ups was was similar for all of them. And that just made it easy, like Mike was saying, where – you know, you start out 
brief background, you know, recruiting profile, what they've done to this point, dive into the analysis and then bring it home with what we think moving forward, you know, from production standpoint for college and, um, you know, NFL future, you know, just having that structure uh, was huge for, for me. I mean, I, I, as it was, I struggled to keep, uh, keep my write-ups within the, uh, the page. Matt, did you have any that, uh, that were, were really on the edge there for me? No, I mean, I, I'll be honest. You, uh, you, Corey, and me were probably the worst about that, and <laughs> that's all right because I felt better about it when I saw you and Corey do it on some years. Like it's okay that I can just uh, we can change it just a little bit. We changed the writing size like a smidge to like ten point yeah. four here or there to kind of fit ours in there. But uh, there was a couple from Austin. Mike was pretty quick. Him and Felix were very quick and to the point uh, on a lot of their players. I felt like. Uh, uh, theirs were very quick and concise. Austin's were for the as well, the most part. There was a couple that he went a little lengthy on, but uh, I, I think and Austin, who did a lot of the editing here as well, will tell you it was probably Colin, Corey, and myself <laughs> that he he would pull the profile up and be, I hate each and every <laughs> one of you. I was, I was on, the, like, on the edge every piece that I wrote. Like it was <laughs> yeah. constantly over 1,500 yeah. words. Like all I was, I was editing one yesterday <clears throat> in the in the software. And um, somebody had written and like it shows you what's on the page. And then if you click on the text box, it'll like you can scroll down to see if you like wrote way too much and it doesn't all fit. And I it like looked like the paragraph cut off right at the bottom. And I was like, perfect. And that's right. There's like two extra paragraphs that aren't even on the page. I was like, <laughs> oh, come on. Like, who wrote this? I'm going to hand up. That no. was probably me. That probably um, was. Like well, I said, I, was... I, I struggled to keep it concise. I was just straight to the point. Just like my personality. I don't joke around. Just get right to it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> We're trying to Call give everybody up. all the information that they that they need to make an yeah. informative analysis without having to actually watch the player, you know? Yeah. Exactly. I just I keep it short and at the bottom I put source, trust me, bro. <laughs> if nothing else, you have to buy this guy just to find the obscure 1996 Romeo and Juliet remake reference that Mike makes on one profile. I'm not going to tell you which one I was editing. I was like, am I supposed to get this reference, Mike? Like I, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. We need to give away a prize or something. If someone finds it, you texted me about it. It's hilarious. Um, uh, so obviously, you know, we had a lot of fun with this whole process, but uh, you know, anytime you're, you're arguing, there's going to be uh, there's going to be some grievances, some disagreements here. So, what is the biggest disagreement um, that you had with a player's ranking, either too high or too low? Uh, Austin, I'll kick this one over to you to start it off. Um, I, I don't have a lot that I thought were like too high or too low. You know, not that we were consensus, but you know, if like any player, like I, I think if 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 one or two people are super, like probably way too high on them, and one or two are way too low, and then a couple are in the like you 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 probably get it right with the amount of people that we had voting more. And obviously we're going to be wrong on things but you know i think just based on you know perceived where where you know if you just kind of had to point and say roughly where should this guy go i think we got most guys in the right spot uh, it, it was tough to kind of parse out who would be like the final like make the final cut like at the bottom of the list and who wouldn't and we're going to talk about that in a little bit about some guys that maybe we should have included they were like we're already you know have some some buyer's remorse we we didn't put them in there but but that's fine i mean with 270 something players i i think we pretty much adequately covered everything um one guy that i will say like i i don't know why we have troy o'meary in this i know why we have oh you know why we have um like i i really don't know why uh, we have him in there it's just kind of nonsensical to me 
because um, he's, he's clearly never going to really be an NFL guy at this point. And then if I had to actually pick a guy that I think we were a little like, I, I'm not sure we placed him correctly uh, is Nick Evers. And maybe I've just really caught into the sky is falling stuff with Nick Evers um, in terms of, you know, his time at Oklahoma is not apparently going very well. Um, and they've brought in two transfer guys like that are like zero chance to compete for the starting job. Like they're just depth because they don't, they obviously don't trust Nick Evers. Um, so he's a guy that, you know, I think we have him ranked like at the very bottom of his tier in reality, yeah. we should have probably bumped him down at least one more tier, if not one more than that. Um, but you know, alas, I'll have to go back and listen to the episode and see how everybody voted on that. I don't, I don't know how we ended up with him a little too high. What what was the, uh, two guys that transferred in names? Um, one, one's, uh, 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 former pit guy i think it was uh devil or deville or however and then the okay. other one is um is it it's general a G- booty? Uh, general booty you just want me to say general booty yeah that's, that's <laughs> all he was trying to do Baited so, you. Uh, yeah. i'll talk yeah. about booty all day yeah great I mean, quarterback I think, <laughs> great quarterback yeah i think the thing with evers too is just some of like the later news there i mean he was you know we wrote him up we talked quarterbacks and stuff but you know, they're keep bringing in guys. I still believe in his talent. So I'll hand up. I was one of the ones who was saying he should be higher. Yeah, he did, so did, he did not look good in the spring game. You know what, too? That was one of the biggest struggles with this guide was when there's like news came out that was like that would just change it. And it's like, well, now I gotta go back and delete like everything. <laughs> that was like six of Corey's guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, and then of course, like, you know, Matt finishes editing a page already. So like you don't want to go back. You're like, yeah, I'll just let it slide. I don't want to make it I had a curse writing this guy. It was like every player I wrote was like either transferred towards ACL or like transferred to JUCO or like I I don't know. It's just like awful. Like I just, I can just stop writing up guys. I think for, yeah, I mean, 20, I... for $25, we will let you pick guys that Corey's not allowed to write. <laughs> he is yeah, obviously think... bad. Luck. If you want to protect your guys, you know where to find me. I do think that should be stated. is a lot of these profiles were written up like over a month ago, if not a month and a half ago when this is coming out, just because we started so early on them. So there may be like a Nick Evers. I was right there with Colin. I, I was much higher on him. You know, I can't knock him for not being great in the spring game. I mean, really the only freshman quarterback I can remember having a decent spring game. And it was really just one throw was Devin Brown. Uh, most of the other freshman QBs didn't have good spring games. So I can't knock them for that. I do know that uh, one of the guys that works with us, Nate, um, see, you know, has some, uh, some really good connections in the, uh, at Oklahoma and he's told us some things. So, you know, I, I still believe in the talent. Like Colin said, I don't necessarily think he should be knocked too far. I could have, I could have seen the argument for tier five. Uh, I don't think he should have fallen into tier six, just looking at the names in that group, but you know, it, it, it is what it is at this point. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, my, my biggest disagreement on a player here is Blake Corum uh, running back from Michigan there. I, I mean, First of all, his tier ranking is tier five. Like some of the guys that he's ranked around, you know, Trey Sanders, he's in the same tier as Trey Sanders. He's in it's he's below um, uh, Ramon Brown. So it, some of the guys that he's below and around, like I think he's better than. But I think the bigger thing is he got knocked on his size a little bit too much. Um, and like I was just talking with Austin a little bit earlier um, on the Campus Life episode. You know, he's at a BMI of 30.4, you know, and for, you know, whether you believe in BMI or anything like that, you know, like that's the range where you want him to fall in, like between 21, 32, football outsiders did a good study on that. But guys, his size, like have had NFL success before, Devonta Freeman, Aaron Jones, Gio Bernard, Duke Johnson, CEH, Chase Edmonds, all within one inch 
or like five pounds of, of him right now. So okay. all right, I think, but you just called up a bunch of dudes that were like day three draft capital and you can't bank on day three draft capital. And like no. I, part of my process draft trends and like you might on a really good class, like a top tier class, you see five relevant fancy running backs and Blake Horn is not going to be in that group of five next year. And I think the NFL has also proven they don't want um, guys with split backfields. That's why it's one of our stats, too. I, I mean, we just watched Spiller go on the fourth, Zamir win the fourth, and they were both highly talked about guys like in this past pre-draft cycle. So, And on top of his size, too, because we saw some short guys that were pretty good, like uh, the guy from Missouri. I'm blanking on him right now. Tyler Batty. Beatty. Yeah, Beatty. Yeah, he looked good. I liked him a lot. as like a pass catcher. He like fell to the six. And I think a lot of it's just – they don't want to take bets on these size guys, nor do they want to pay high draft capital for committee backs. I mean, CEH went in the first round. He's 5'7", 207. Well, that was know. a big mistake. Yeah. I think, but, yeah, but I think you, everyone now is like, okay, we're not going to do that again. But you do keep mentioning guys that are more over that like 205 range at least. Like, I think that's the number we are generally looking for, you know, when we're talking mm-hmm. about like top 24 guys in the NFL. Like, and, you know, at like 5'8", I think he is kind of maxed out at 200. I don't think he's grown much through his years in college either, so – you know, it's it's probably a it's probably assured that it's he's maxed out at this point. I I don't expect him to come in much higher. So, I think I I don't know if the Valentine or the the size concerns are valid, but it does it does concern me a little bit. If, if he comes in at that at that weight, then I'm I'm probably not going to make him a priority. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I I get it, and I get the cons- the split backfield concerns too. But he yeah. led. He was the lead back in there before. Haskins went down. He was averaging 16 carries a game, 2.2 or 2.5 receptions before he got hurt. You know, so it was at least a dead even split there. And with Haskins gone, he's going to handle most of the in between the tackles work this year, which I think is going to be really telling for him. He looked good last year doing it uh, in a little bit of a smaller sample size, but you know, moving into this year, he runs between the tackles better than Donovan Edwards. Who's the guy who's going to split that backfield with Donovan Edwards will probably catch more passes, but I don't know. I think he can run between the tackles. I think he's a good athlete. I think he's got some size coming from Michigan. I think that'll help him too. So, I don't know. I think he should have been higher than tier I mean, five. As, as, as Felix, the resident, uh, that team up north fan, has mentioned, like they don't develop players very well. So, I don't know that him having that U of M on the side of his helmet helps him much. Uh, that being said, I, I just think he's fairly well ranked within his tier and the players around him. Like, I just don't see even if we were to bump him up a tier, like really for me, the only guy I might rank him over is the guy at the bottom of tier four. And even that I don't feel great about like, I, so I think he's fairly, it seems low, but for me, when you look at where he's ranked and who he's ranked around, I feel like it's a proper ranking. We'll agree to disagree on that one, but um, <laughs> Corey, you got a, you got another Michigan guy on here, right? I do, I do. And I, I was going to even kind of piggyback off Nick uh, Evers, but we talked about him earlier already because it's a travesty that we ranked him in front of this guy to begin with. But uh, I'm talking about J.J. McCarthy, and I know that you guys all don't like how he plays so wildly at a structure and all this stuff. But, like, all the tools you see, I don't I don't understand how you can't be, like, more enamored with the guy, especially, like, getting on the field early. I know that this season did – hurt him because he's came with the shoulder injury uh he's apparently throwing pain-free now so i still think he could push for more playing time this season especially if they're not doing well and they want to spark and we start seeing more and more of him maybe it's a takeover situation whatever but 
regardless. This guy's got tools. I think uh, Fuse or, or whatever the, the hell you say his name had him timed at 20.5 miles per hour already. So he's got wheels. He's got an arm. I mean, you watch that one throw where he freaking escaped out of the pocket, ran to the other side of the field, threw it across the opposite hash for that long touchdown. I mean, clean mechanics. He's just, and he plays, it, it's all, it's out of structure, which I get, but generally that's what these NFL guys want now is guys who can do that. When the play breaks down, they can do that. And I understand maybe he has a little bit more to do playing in a rhythmic offense, playing in a, in a rhythmic scheme where he can, you know, hit quick throws or whatever. We want to see that a little bit more, but the fact that he's already showing that, like I'm excited with him. Um, like I have him all the way in, in I would have had him all the way in tier three and like tier five, like, hold on. What, what other names do we have around him? Okay. We're talking about Preston Stone, who we haven't even seen. Sam Heward, who's fell to like quarterback three in this in this battle right now. Um, Sam Hartman, who I don't think has a huge NFL future. Uh, Will Levi, who I don't really like either, but or Levis, whatever. But but still, I mean, and guys, we have ahead of him. Nick Evers, we have in front of him. Drake May, we haven't even seen play. We have in front of him. Like Kyle McCord, he's not even going to start for OSU. He's going to play, go play somewhere else. So he's in front of him. Like I don't, Malik Winnick Cunningham is not the greatest passer, and we have him in front of him. Like I just think there's more upside with this guy. But I'm, I'm done. I've said my piece. Why don't you guys tell me why he's he's too low or too high for me? So he he has upside. I don't, I don't think any of us argued that. The biggest thing is there's a realistic shot he doesn't see the field again this year. The shoulder injury has cost him his entire spring. The rumors are he may be ready by fall. But Cade McNamara did nothing to lose that job last year, and what is he going to do to lose the job this year? We, we've we've seen it from a lot of people with, when it comes to stats and everything. Austin's mentioned it before. You don't want your quarterback to wait three years to become a starter, or be, starting in that third year, which is likely what's going to happen now with McCarthy. I also don't think that the NFL is just looking for these guys to work really well out of structure. I actually think they prefer them to work in structure, which is why we saw Kenny Pickett be the only quarterback to go in the first round this year. Malik Willis, a lot of this, that play you described there for J.J. McCarthy looking amazing is a lot of what we saw from Malik Willis, who was a third day, third round pick. No, like, that's rude. Don't even say I'm that. just saying. Like, <laughs> do I think J.J. McCarthy's better than Malik Willis? 100%. But we've also not seen hard... We, we, People give credit for Harbaugh developing Colin Kaepernick and Andrew Luck, and that's great. But since those two, he's done absolutely nothing for a quarterback. I, I think I don't I don't really remember because I've always seen Shea Patterson is not very good. But there were people who liked Patterson. Like there are people who've liked the quarterbacks that Harbaugh has had, and he's not been able to develop them. I don't know that McCarthy's going to be developed. I just don't see the ceiling, and we haven't seen much out of him outside of a handful of plays here and there. So I just I don't feel comfortable putting him all the way up there yeah i mean i i i'm with matt on that one um <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah I, I agree with a lot of what matt said there my big concern too is just you know how is he he if you can't operate inside of structure the nfl is not going to be interested regardless of how good you look outside of structure like they want they want a player who can do both and I'm not sure McCarthy can do both at this point. And we're not going to find out how if he can do both for another year. Um, Cade McNamara hasn't done anything to lose that job, like Matt said. So he's going to start all year. So, you know, with another year waiting to see, can he develop and, and work inside a structure? Uh, it's it's a bit of a riskier bet. So 
I mean, there's some guys in that team. in front of him. I mean, come on. <laughs> there's some, yeah, there's some well, guys. Well, McCord is going to be on his second year or on his third year starting. Maybe that's even if he's maybe starting. <laughs> I don't, I don't disagree with him. that one. I don't that disagree. Well, again, that. we mentioned that earlier. Kyle McCord was a my guy, which bust, which bo- bumped him up because he true. was in that tier for everybody except for me. And I also think Kyle McCord is just a better talent in general than JJ McCarthy. But I, th- I think that's where some of the freshman stuff comes from. A lot of us were very, we we rank the freshmen a little bit more aggressive because of what we feel of them. Maybe that's some of just where we come from with our website being campus to Canton. We dive very deep into the freshmen. You'll see that in this guide that some of the freshmen are ranked fairly aggressively throughout each position. And I think that's part of why a Nick Evers was so far up there because we see the talent and we know what we expect to see. But you're right, we haven't seen it just like we haven't really seen it from JJ. Well, you at least seen him on the field. True. <laughs> um, I like. I don't know. Like when you look at guys like Anthony Richardson, we're looking at his third year starting. Like, I, like for me personally, in quarterback evaluation, I don't think that there's an analytic box that we can fit them all into. We've seen it a million times now, where these guys go all over the place and and are we're surprised every draft year when guys are drafted. And I like. I, I'm not totally against even if even if JJ McCarthy takes till his third year and he stays through his senior season and plays third and fourth year and fucking kills it, then he's gonna be he might he has the potential to be a first round quarterback that's my take on it I, i'm not i'm not out of it just yet and i don't think that he's in a box of just playing on can only play out of structure i want to see it i want to see what happens and until i don't see it on the collegiate level then i'll then i'll be worried but i uh, right now i just think he's he's got a lot of things that i really like my my write up when you guys do go read it is very glowing on mccarthy i did not expect him to be here when we when we ranked him but it is what it is <laughs> um uh, yeah, well, other guy, just I want to mention quickly, I think we're a little high on, again, a little aggressive rank on the freshman, but I do think we're high on Trevante Citizen a little bit. I think we put him in, what, tier two, which to me felt high. Um, but when I look back at our rankings, I think, oh, yeah, in tier two, I think that we should have, that we could have cut it off. For me personally, I think I would have kept, you know, Allen, Blue, Bigsby, and Tucker in that tier. And then I would have cut it off. And I would have Branson, Milton, and Citizen in tier three along with those other guys. I just think there's too much unknown. And I don't think that, I don't think that there was anything super special that jumped off the tape. That's like, you have to invest in this guy and let's, let's get him and, and see what happens. It's a pretty raw player coming in. Not a lot of, played uh, both ways. If I remember correctly, didn't, it didn't uh, rack up a bunch of stats. Um, he's going to a decent situation in Miami not like something super great, but uh, I don't know. I think, I think he was ranked a little bit aggressively. That is one thing I think with us is, is we aren't, most of us um, are a little bit more aggressive with some of the freshman ranks, you know, willing to see the projection and, and project them to overcome some of the weaknesses and to develop some of the areas that they need developing with citizen. You know, he was split in time between linebacker and running back. Uh, most of high school senior year uh, played strictly running back there. And, and you see a lot of the traits that you like there, uh, but even, even beyond the athletic traits, the size, the speed, you know, you saw some hands even beyond that. I think you saw, you saw flashes of him performing well as a rusher, you know, patience, you know, you saw him, you know, chopping his feet behind the line, waiting for that line to open up uh, and, and then exploding through it. You know, you saw some of the vision, especially at the second level. I think he had some good vision there. So there's some traits there. I mean, I, it's definitely an aggressive ranking for freshmen. Um but uh, you, you'll see that's that's kind of a theme throughout the whole thing. Yeah, I, I like where Javante's at, uh, honestly, too. I know he's in the back there. Uh, Matt, 
Matt Bruning liked him so much, he gave two players the third rank in that tier. No, but I do like him a lot there. because I think he's one of the easier freshmen to identify as an instant impact player. Uh, Jalen Knighton was one of the most inefficient runners going down the middle. And then it's it's pretty open in that backfield, I think. I know they they got the transfer in from Ole Miss. His name's escaping me right now. But Parrish. Parrish, yeah. But I, I think it's pretty open, and I think he wins the lead role if it's going to be a committee. I think he wins the lead role early on. And that's really encouraging for for development for Debbie. If they can get on the field early and find success, even mediocrity, their freshman year. Like that's really encouraging. I do agree that there's some there's some coaching behind there too, because obviously this was like the only running back I think that Miami even brought in this year. So they put a lot of faith in behind him, besides bringing in Parrish. And I mean, Don Chaney was like was a decent guy that a lot a lot of Debbie analysts like, right? So I don't know how he fits into all of this. Uh, I'm just not as confident in the instant impact with with citizens so i guess we'll see but you know like guys we have ranked under him like i would probably take raheem sanders above him i'd probably take donovan edwards above him i'd probably take, yeah. take devin neal above him i'm so, with you on sanders i know we got outvoted on that one yeah yeah we did <laughs> but that's okay but yeah i think yeah. for me citizen I, I think he's still got a, he's shown flashes of what he can be and he's still got room to grow as, as kyle mentioned he he also played linebacker in high school and I think the situation is actually set up for him very well to succeed. I don't believe in anybody else they have there. I mean, I just thought they got yeah. Knighton. You mentioned Cheney, Parrish. Like, I think Citizen steps on the field already as the best running back in that room. If he gets any run behind Gaddis, who we know wants to throw the ball, but has also worked in some very run-heavy on- offenses, and so is Mario Cristobal. And so if they plan on working the run in a ton and Citizen gets on the field, like Mike mentioned, and he's even just mediocre this year, and then pops off for two straight years, that's going to matter. Matter more than no offense to a, to a Raheem Sanders who who may have a couple good years at Arkansas, but I do think that matters a little bit more because Citizen I think is just a little bit more talented as well. If I'm just being honest, so I, I have no issue with ranking him in tier two. Um, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have hated him being the top of tier three. I still think you mentioned. Uh, knocking off like Branson and Kent. I still think both those guys deserve to be in tier two based on what they can be as well. Um, I wouldn't have hated putting citizen in three, but because he got ranked in there too, I mean, he ended up as the last guy in tier two, right? So that for us, yeah. technically he was kind of on the verge of, of two, three for us when we ranked him. Uh, I just, I just think he's got a, a ton of upside right now and I'm willing to bet on that. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to temporarily roll into my guy actually. Cause I'm skipping over Matt here, but Kendall Millen to me is too high and he's in the same tier. I, I'm not into like running backs. I don't do anything for two years, and also I'm supposed to expect him to do something. It's a really ambiguous backfield. I, I know he has the Georgia tag, and as I stated earlier, we just watched Zamir White that everyone loved. Well, not everyone, quite a bit of people loved, and then he fell to the fourth round because it's a committee role. They just don't care. So I, I think, I think Citizen's fine, but I want Milton to fall down because I don't think he belongs in this in this tier. Because if Milton doesn't get the the lead role at Georgia. Uh, he goes from being a potential day two pick to like middle of the third, and no one really cares for as far as fantasy production at that point. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I get where you're coming from. Where you know we just saw with Zamir White, but Zamir White also had a pretty extensive history with his injuries with his knees. So you know maybe that's what knocked him down a little bit. We just saw James Cook go early, or you know day two. Um, I'm not saying Kendall Milton and James Cook, they're (laughs) not comparable players, but I think Kendall Milton is in between a James Cook and, you know, and, uh, 
when you're looking at draft capital, I think you're going to, he's going to be between like where James Cook is and where Zamir White is. He doesn't have the injury concerns as White. Uh, he doesn't catch passes as, as well as Cook. Um, probably not going to end up t- testing as well either. He's a solid athlete. He's not a, uh, a great athlete, but that Georgia bump, I think it's going to matter a little bit. And then Kenny McIntosh has some question marks right now. Um, so it's sounding like it's going to be Kendall Milton's backfield because they have him, they have McIntosh, they have Dewan Edwards, but then they have two freshmen. Um, so out of that group, I feel like Kendall Milton's probably going to be the guy to lead that back, which I think is going to matter. Yeah, yeah, I think he's going to get the opportunity this year. And uh, like you said, with those two freshmen coming in, they're both not coming until the summer either. So they haven't had a chance to really get integrated into anything. Um, a guy that we talk to frequently is part of the campus canteen, Jared, who's very uh, in-depth with, with a lot of Georgia guys. And he's saying that all his Georgia guys are telling him to expect Kendall Milton to get like 200 touches this year, if not more. And I mean, I'm not even really worried about a committee role. I mean, even if we look back to when like freaking Elijah Holy uh, Holyfield was getting run with Swift and did we <laughs> knock Swift all that much and expect Holyfield to be awesome or something like, you know, even back in the day with Chubb and Michelle, it's maybe they go back to a two back system, but uh, either way, I'm not too worried about it. I, I, like, cause I, I think I see the talent there anyways. A lot of people want to call him a plotter. I don't see a plotter at all. The guy has burst. The guy can change direction really well for a guy his size. We haven't got to see many breakaway runs from him just because he's been battling the injuries, which I think is probably his biggest issue right now. I think but he's played 12 games within the last two years or something like that, something really low. So he's got to kick the injury bug. But if he can, he has the opportunity right in front of his face. I honestly wouldn't be surprised to see him stay a senior year. A lot of guys at Georgia seem to do that for some reason, especially if they're in contention for another national championship or something. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But but I, I'm comfortable with his ranking here. It does it did feel high a little bit, but like, this is kind of like where I wanted him to be, but I'm like kind of just being a little conservative and I had him in tier three. Then you guys were all like tier two and I'm like, (laughs) all right, tier two, let's do it. I'm in, I'm, I'm right in. (laughs) Yeah. So I've been a fan of, of Kendall Milton since he joined Georgia out of high school. And, and Mike, you mentioned that these year three guys don't matter much. Kenneth Walker, Najee Harris, Javante Williams, Trey Sermon. Let's keep going. Clyde Uh-oh. Edwards, Hilaire, uh, Cam Akers. Let's see here. Tevin Singletary had a couple years. Josh Jacobs. All these guys really one big year of production at the college level. And if Kendall Milton goes out there and does that this year at Georgia, he's going to get decent draft capital. Because, again, I think he's better than Zamir White. What do you not have? Multiple ACL injury concerns with Kendall Milton like you did Zamir White. That Georgia backfield matters. Those guys have produced in college and going into the NFL. So I do think if he goes out there and smashes, as, as Corey mentioned, Jared said they're planning on him getting 200-plus touches or whatever. If he really does go out there and does that and has a really good year for a Georgia team that's likely going to be complete, competing for a playoff spot, I do think there's a chance that he gets he gets drafted day two I think realistically it's probably around four because this is a damn good running back class if he comes out this year. But still, I do think he gets really good draft capital, and he, I think he's going to produce this year. Yeah, that's all right, that that's my thing. It's like the if he gets the 200 carries. Like that, that's my hang-up. If he is the bulk of the workload, then yeah, I'm with you. But I, th- I just I, think he's going to get the carries because he's just his efficiency numbers have gone down over the years. But I get I, it. Like If he gets the workload and he gets that Georgia yeah. bump, it's hard to give efficiency numbers to a guy who gets like three carries and then one carry and then six carries and then gets injured and then gets 11 carries. And it, it's hard to rank that efficiency because he's not getting the same workload every game. And if he gets a short yarded situation where he runs one for full, one time for one yard, it ruins everything. So it's like, you know, it, it's hard to, it's hard with that guy, it, but it, it is really the health. That's the big issue. Like we have to see him kick those nagging injuries. And, and 
and he's had them in games too, which has really slowed down his, his time being his time getting rushes. Like there was even the time where he was getting a lot of rush and it looked like he could have been a, a big part of this backfield. And then the nagging injuries kicked yeah, in and he started missing one. time. And yeah. Yeah. His so, freshman I mean, season, he looked like he was going to be taken over and then got that injury. Yeah. I, I will also say like, I think it's just from my opinion, really outside of like tier zero, which is really the, I believe this is the only running back is the only group we have as a, as a tier zero. Uh, I don't think we have any other tier zero. No, we so, don't have any other. No. Outside of tier zero and t- and tier one for me, there's still a lot of question marks for everybody else. So then at that point, you said it's hard to project, but I feel like we have to do a little bit of projecting for every single player after the fact. And and that's kind of my thing. So I, I think it's fair to put him there because of what we expect. And we are like Colin, I believe mentioned, you got to give him a little bit of that Georgia bump because they're realistically RBU and have been for quite a while. And so all he has to do is go out there and be at least somewhat decent. He's going to get a fair bump when it comes to the NFL draft capital. Yeah. Um, and Matt, you know, you, you want to bring us home here on the guy that you disagree with their ranking the most on. Yeah. So I had three of them and, and mostly I'm just going to bring this up for two, just cause Guess we what team some, they're from. We, we had some <laughs> very interesting debates on these guys, and maybe we'll release the audio. Um, I want to bring up Quinn Ewers, and I, I did state when we did the QB talk, I understand him being in Tier 1, but I realist, I really do think at this point in time next year, we're going to be talking about, assuming we do the Debbie guide again next year, he's going to be a Tier 0 player for us. I just don't see any way he goes out there and fails. That I wanted him to be in Tier 0. I tried to my guy him, and we shut down immediately <laughs> by Austin, who, you know, he runs everything. Don't let him, don't let his, uh, you know, niceties on Twitter fool you. He's He rules with an iron, uh, iron fist over here. And then um, JSN, I know Mike and Corey both uh, agreed with me. Felt I felt he should have been Tier 0 as well. Like, I don't have any concerns about him going into the NFL and being a top wide receiver but Colin you weren't on that call so I'd love to hear your thoughts on JSN because really the only reason I agreed not to put him in tier zero is because we couldn't find a way to put Boutte there because we were all worried about the injuries and we felt like if JSN went in tier zero Boutte had to be as well we didn't want to have JSN ranked above Boutte because most of us still have Boutte as a top wide receiver so we kind of settled on tier one but it definitely got very contentious between my good friend Felix Sharp and myself, and we were arguing over what Jason could be at the NFL level. Yeah, so I was not on the on the wide receiver call there, but I have JSN and Boutte both tier zero. Um, like I was just talking about uh, on Campus Life with with Boutte, we were Austin and I were talking about it. Uh, if Boutte doesn't play this year, I'm not all that worried about it. I mean, realistically, so they, they say it's an ankle injury. You know, and that can cover a wide array of of different things. Um, and he had to have another cleanup surgery. You know, he's in a boot still. My guess, and this is you know an unprofessional guess. Um, you know, I was I went to school for for physical therapy. I have um, some grad school experience there, so it's not completely uneducated, but it's largely uneducated. <laughs> My guess is it's a Liz Frank just based on what they're talking about and having to have that cleanup surgery. That's not, that's probably worst case scenario for him. You know, he's probably not looking at playing early this year, especially if he had to have the cleanup, you know, there's been numerous wide receivers who have had that issue. Julian Edelman had that issue. Um, Julio Jones had that, Um, you know, you see it in some running backs too. Um, But even if it's a Liz Frank injury and he sits out most of this year, it's not anything that's like a long-term issue. 
you know, how many career ending ankle issues do you actually end up seeing? They're very, very rare. So I don't think this is going to be a, a long-term uh, career ending type of an injury. So, you know, if he doesn't play in college, okay, that sucks for C2C, but for Debbie purposes, we don't really care that much. I have seen enough from Keishan Boutte with the injury to keep him in tier zero. I also would keep JSN in tier zero. I understand that, you know, you don't want to put one in without the other because Keishan Boutte is probably ultimately a more talented receiver, but I don't have that issue. I put them both in there. Um, I like JSN a lot. I think he can be a wide receiver one at the next level as well. So I think they're both slam dunks. You weren't here. Had you been here, he they both would have been tier zero <laughs> because I'm almost positive Mike, Corey, and myself voted for that, but they got into, like I said, it was a more of a, and I don't want to speak for Felix because he's not here, but he just had some questions about what JSN could be at the NFL level that I, I at least did not share. Uh, and so that's kind of where the argument came into, should he be a tier zero player? And also I think some of us view tier zero differently. I brought up kind of my thought process on what tier zero is for me. I know Austin's is a little bit different. He's also notoriously a tougher grader on prospects than I am. So I feel like a lot of that played into it. We ended up putting him in tier one, which I'm fine with. The other one that I did bring up on the wide receiver call, and, and I've been on this for a while, and I know Felix has as well. I actually just saw him put out a tweet about it. That's why I put him on here, was Marvin Harrison Jr. We have him in tier two, and I argued he should be in tier one because we, not just Austin, not just myself, not just Felix, but multiple of us talk about how we think he can be better than Xavier Worthy, and yet we're willing to put Xavier Worthy as a tier one prospect. Granted, I understand he went broke out as a freshman, but if we all expect Marvin Harrison to go out there and have this amazing season this year in this offense, he should have been put in tier one as well if we expect him to be better than Xavier Worthy at the end of the day, and we didn't. And so that part I just kind of felt like was – uh a little bit, you know, um, just kind of us not really sticking to our guns a little bit and talking about what we thought Marvin Harrison could be, and I thought he should have been there. Uh, I I get that. I guess with with the whole wordy thing, we've seen it, and I do think that always like Ohio State brings in a lot of guys and they have a lot of mouths to feed. So as much as we love Harrison, like they're, like like Buka is really good, fucking. JSN is really good. Will Harrison have the big breakout? I know they had the three good guys last year, but they haven't always had three super productive receivers. So it's like, I feel like we're putting a lot of faith there. Maybe it's a little bit of a hedge ranking, which I know some of us don't like to do around here. So maybe that's part partly it. But I think I was more comfortable with him in tier two just because I feel like I need to see it first. I need to see what his role is going to be, how he's going to play. I mean, outside of like that, the, the, the last game of the year there, we haven't really seen it. Just we saw the flashes and we just kind of hope that that carries over. Right. But that's what all we got. Can I, can I make one argument before? Cause I know Mike wants to jump into something real quick. One argument on that. And we don't have to have any, anything else. I just want to say we boosted JSN up on one catch his freshman year in the back of the end zone and said, he's the next best thing. And that's all we saw out of him as well. He had a total of, as I looked when Mike did his year one zero stuff for the guide, which definitely check out. Cause it's very interesting. JSN had 49 receiving yards as a freshman and we crowned him the next best thing at Ohio state. Marvin Harrison went out and did 300 yards in one game. And we're afraid to say he's going to be the next thing that that's my biggest issue with that. I think he's re- he's going to be a guy who's easily in tier one next year. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, I think maybe had we put JSN and Boutte up into tier zero, we could have seen Harrison jump up into tier one, but that would have made that tier a little bit crowded. 
I think that, yeah, I think that is a good point. Like w- the fact that we bumped those two down it, it was hard to pick who is worthy to be with them, you know, like for, it's hard to put Harrison who hasn't done much with names like JSN and Butte right now. But yeah, if we had split that, then I could have maybe seen them, seen them sneaking in there. I agree with that. Yeah. I, I think, I think JSN was a big like leap of faith off a cliff. Um, but what is not a leap of faith off a cliff but more like a single step is Kanata Mumfield. And you guys wanted to put him in tier five. And I had a my guy, this guy at the tier four. There's like, there's a mix of half bums and half guys that you feel okay about in tier five. Tier four, like it's all the downtrending day two guys. Like Raheem Jarrett, like didn't didn't step up last year. Marvin Mims, I get I get made fun of about all the time that I had Marvin Mims up there. And you guys put him in front of Kanata Mumfield. And then let me see what else. Hold on. There's more guys in this list here. Jaden Reed, he's a late declare. Get his ass out of there. Adonam Mitchell hasn't done anything yet. And he it's did, like he has. And then you got other question here. But Kanata yeah. Mumfield, who I get was a G5 player, and we don't know how he's gonna translate. He looked good against Ohio. Ohio's a good defense. I mean, and he were he they though? Were they a good defense? Ohio State was not a good defense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> On a power five level, like they were decent. Like, On a power five level, they were still like bottom 50 they're defense. Past defense. They have, yeah, they they're have past raw defense, talent. Yeah. They have raw talent. And Mumfield's coming here on his first season, not a freshman, but on his first season, he comes in and looks good. And then he goes to a situation where he was behind uh, Addison, who's now gone. He gets a, a middle-of-the-road quarterback. Sorry for you, Keaton Slovis fans. He's a middle of the road quarterback. I think that's generous. <laughs> okay, well, I think I was a little better than that. And he's like the wire, he's like the wide receiver one there. And even in the spring game, he was looking good against those DBs. Now I know they're not high level DBs, but he's playing in the ACC, so he's not going to be playing as high level DBs ever. He should have a really good stat line. He should look great again. He's already shown that he can manipulate defenders at a power five level, and I don't understand why he's going down here with the uh, the dudes we're not ready to give up on yet, and the, and the Jalen McMillans. So for me, uh, it for, was fairly simple. Yeah, let's not let's not hit the sore spot. Straight, <laughs> straight bullet on that one. Uh, <laughs> for me, it was fairly simple, and it's Konate, not Konata, as 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 Felix loves to remind us every time we say it. I was one of the first people who brought up Konate Mumfield and said you need to pick him up because of what he was doing at Akron. I honestly think we ranked him fairly well here. Now, could he have been higher in tier four? Probably maybe back end of tier three if you want to put him over some of the freshmen we haven't seen do it here's my thing okay i gotta cut you he off sat out, you guys on, voted in five hang on. you, guys you voted got your five, you got four. your moment let us finish <laughs> you got your moment here's my thing with konate he sat out an entire year from football that's a lot that thing a lot of people don't realize when everybody's oh he's a 2024 client no he can actually come out in 2023 he did not play football for an entire year Last year was his first year at Akron. You could argue, hey, that's great that he played that well. You're right. But I don't see him coming out in 2023. So then what does everybody talk about? Early declare matters. Probably not going to happen. He's going into his fourth year now at Pitt, which granted, Keaton Slovis we've seen can force feed the ball. We saw what that was able to do for Drake London. Maybe he does that for, for Mumfield here at Pitt. I don't know that they will because they completely changed offenses and they brought in a guy who's going to run the ball a ton as well. I just don't think that everything's setting up for Mumfield to go out and smash and have this Drake London-esque type season that's going to boost him up into decent draft capital in 23. Was Tier 5 too low? Maybe. Maybe you're right on that. Maybe we should have had him in 4 to begin with, where you ended up my-guying him into. 
I love the player. I just have a lot of questions about him and what his future looks like. Had he transferred to LSU, who really wanted him, I'd been much higher on him. But having gone to Pitt, I have questions about that decision to begin with and what that means now for his future. I just I don't know that I see him ever getting this high-end draft capital. Yeah, I, I agree with you there that Pitt is probably not the best place that he could have gone. I mean, it is a step up from Akron. And Pitt, you know, they have had they've put some wide receivers in the NFL. They've had some success there, but this is a completely different offense this year. Um, their head, their their offensive coordinator is at Nebraska. They bring in Frank Signetti. He's going to run the ball a lot. They bring back all five of their starting linemen uh, from last year. So this is setting up that they're going to run the ball. Keaton Slovis. I think saying he's a decent quarterback or whatever, however you phrase that was generous. Not a fan of Slovis. <laughs> I don't think Konata Mumfield gets the stats this year that we're hoping for. And it, you know, I think that's going to hinder him. And then like Matt said, is he going to come out that year? Probably not. So he's probably going to 2024. Then he's a late declare, which you seem to hate on uh, for Jaden Reed. But should he have been, tier four i think well we made this decision before we 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 had that call before the addison news broke correct um yeah, yeah so, wide receiver was i believe the f- second call we did first or yeah. second no it wasn't yeah. first it was second second. and it was before right. addison had made his decision move to, to usc yeah so with that with the hindsight there yeah i would have put him up into tier four instead of five where you wouldn't have had to my guy him but i don't i have a hard time putting him up any higher than that Okay. Yeah. I would like my my guy back, and I'm going to use it. Raheem <laughs> Sanders right now in the running back. <laughs> Matt will literally kill you. <laughs> Matt will. Nice. Matt will it's already you. been sent to the presses. Guides are being made and shipped out as we speak. That yeah. will not happen. But I'll make sure to put that in the you know the final minute that uh you know or the the last page. Yeah. I'll tell everybody to lead the fine print. Read the fine print. Mike wanted uh, to Raheem Sanders back into tier three where he belongs. Hey, yeah. I, I have in the chat that I was going to re- my guy, Raheem Sanders, but it was too late. So I that's my, did. that's my guy. Get out of here, man. <laughs> okay. But, but no, but with, uh, with Mumfield, I do agree that in hindsight, it was tough to see. I couldn't, I couldn't see how he was going to be super productive there as a second wide receiver, especially with like target hog Addison. So like, I, I did think, that went into the ranking a little bit and maybe he would have just fell into the depths and depending on how they would have changed the year after that. Um, but I do, I don't, I do think four is actually pretty good for him. Like with like the NFL is going to love Rakeem Jarrett. We got Brooks who looked good at Alabama last year. Uh, Barry and Brown from Kentucky, who we all love Adam Randall, who has the ACL, but upside is like tremendous. A lot of like ups, really high upside freshman here core you're giving away the whole guy i guess but i'm just i'm just talking like about guys teasers. i just yeah i just I, th- I think that he's he's ranked appropriately now so i actually like where he ended up considering where we, he may have ended up without uh prior to the news so. yeah so we ended up getting it right yeah. um we're not going to get everybody right here I got um, some honorable mention guys that you know we were considering uh for the guide here but Ultimately, didn't make the cut. Um, you know, a couple of them: freshmen, um, Trevor Etienne, Caleb Burton, Damian Martinez, Jordan Hudson. Kind of guys that were were right on the edge there. Was there anybody you felt real strongly from that group, or or any other freshmen um, that you you know wish we had included at this point? 
I really do like Damian Martinez. Like I've been scooping him up in like every C2C supplemental that I can. Like I've been trying to gauge where to even take this guy. I'm not even going to talk about it because I still have drafts coming up. So like, I think he's a good pick in like the 14th round, 15th round. You could probably get him around there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, he's, he's hard for me to picture how he translate. Cause he has kind of this big, bigger body bruiser and they're probably a little bit limited at the next level. Unless he shows a little bit more with, uh pass catching or whatever shows to be a little bit more versatile so he he was one that i had a hard time with and i i really think freshmen in general we could have spoken a lot more of that i mean there's so many of them and there's so many interesting situations that can break out or whatever but it's hard to pick a bunch without doing all of them so these were just kind of the ones we gravitated towards so i there we might have missed your favorite freshman in here but like we definitely consider it. And, and if they do something this year, then they'll probably be in there next year. So. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought Austin did a really good job on the wide receiver show. Well, cause I wanted to write about all the freshmen. Cause I get super hopeful, you know, they're like, they're, you know, it's like the rookie section of dynasty yeah. football where everyone thinks every rookie is going to be a stud. Um, and so Austin was just like, we can't just write about every single freshman. So, and I mean, to be honest, half a tier eight for wide receivers are all my write-ups. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean if, if we're talking just freshmen in general because i do think we nailed a lot of like the the players who've been in college for a couple years and, and they are in this guide probably connor harrell the guy going to unc and then mm. i know he i'm bigger on him than most but but cat and house are going to michigan state i mean those were guys that we had in our tier two of the freshman guide and we did not write them up, but we wrote up a guy like Walker Howard for the Debbie guide, who we all talked about on the QB show. We didn't even rank him that high. We don't think very highly of him, but we put him in the Debbie guide. That part didn't make much sense to me. And another guy I know, Five uh, star, yeah, <laughs> yeah my, Mike's brought up. I know I like him as well. Um, one of the guys on our recruiting team, David, uh, is a big fan of him. Brady Allen that went to Purdue. Like, I think he's got a really good shot of blowing up next year. Um, once Aiden O'Connell likely moves on, uh, he's a guy I wish we would have put in here uh, to kind of grab because I think he's got a realistic shot of being really good at Purdue for a couple of years and getting that NFL draft capital. He's he's another guy that was kind of right there in that grouping and the, the freshman guy that we just didn't write up is right there kind of with Walker Howard, who, again, none of us really had glowing mm-hmm. opinions of, but we ended up adding him to the get- Debbie guy. I wish we would have put in one of those guys instead. Yeah, so well, I see – Oh, okay, I, I do think we should write some. I mean, I wrote a little bit more negative profiles than everybody else, but um, I do think we need to put in like popular guys that are getting drafted high just to you know tell people to to not draft them high and let someone else take them. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. there was yeah. some interesting as the one who went in and did all this stuff for the guy. I will say, pay attention, we put ADP in there. It's very interesting going into the guide and looking at players we value high, especially at the quarterback positions that are not being drafted at all. And our Debbie ADP compared to guys who are a really big part of the tight end section, you will see there's about six tight ends being drafted. Now, generally, our Debbie ADP, we only do 10 to 12 rounds. But most of the guys that we have high are not being drafted right now in, in Debbie drafts right now. I, so I think that part, when you listen to this, if you, when you get the guide, if one thing you really want to look at that I think stands out is where we have players ranked compared to their ADP, which is on every single one of their profiles. And if they're not being drafted, I notate that on there is not available so that you can see these guys are not been, been drafted and we've been running, I don't know exact number, but tons of, of Debbie drafts. I mean, there was one point in time 
PJ was running, I think four or five of them a week that we were just kind of compiling all this data. So to see some of these guys not drafted that we wrote about, especially guys that we are high on, I thought was very interesting to see the differences on our opinions based to the ADP. And now I had a question for you, Matt. The ADP is is that Debbie draft or is that C to C? That's Debbie draft. The Debbie the Debbie ones that PJ ran for us was only I pulled from. I did not look at the C to C ADP. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, one guy too that you know people might be looking for in the guy Julian Fleming. Not yeah. a guy that that we wrote up. Oh. Not a guy that we believe in anymore. Um, but there are still some people out there who, who believe in that. So, you know, if, if you are looking through the guide and, and you, there's a player in there like a Fleming or somebody like that that you're not seeing, it means, you know, we just don't believe in them anymore at this point. We're ready to we're ready to pack it in. Um, feel free to reach out to, to me and you know, maybe anybody else on here if they want to open it up. But I'm willing to have that discussion, you know, yeah, feel free to reach out to I mean- Colin. If Donna, if, if you want to know about Julian Fleming, I would point you to the Jaden Ballard profile because I have ever so eloquently slid Julian Fleming into there and why he doesn't matter in Jaden Ballard's profile. <laughs> See, so shocker. he is in there. He's in there still. Yeah, but shocker, uh, Matt wrote up the uh, Ohio State player. That's actually because nobody claimed him. The only Ohio State guy I grabbed was my guy, Kyle McCord. I didn't do any of the other ones. I let those go for everybody else. Even though I disagree with some of your guys' write-ups on those players, I passed on all Ohio State players. And then I went through, and nobody claimed Jaden Bowers. So I was like, okay, I'll write about him. I have high opinions of him. Yeah. Um, after four catches? Anyway, all right, never mind. Let's... <laughs> I think he was a late addition. Plus, Matt's been hearing some good he stuff about yeah. him. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I do want to add, I thought we should have added, I wrote down Brashard Smith here. He's wide receiver from Miami. He's kind of like a my guy this year. I've talked to him about him before on a Debbie Debate podcast. But on the side, I said any other Miami wide receiver. Because we did write about Tyler Van Dyke, of course. He's at the very top of our tier three, which I think is a fine place. But I had him in tier two, but whatever. Like, it's right there. And so to write about a quarterback that we think so highly of, but not any of his pass catching weapons, it's kind of like, well, if we think if some of us think he's going to put up numbers, where are these numbers going to go? So I, yeah. I do think that we should have written about one of the Miami wide receivers. Yeah, I, I definitely get that. Uh, you know, Brashard Smith, Keyshawn Smith are two guys who have had a little bit of buzz, Xavier Restrepo too, but mm-hmm. Hearing all of the news out of spring is Miami was not happy with their wide receiver core. They were battling some drops. So, you know, I think maybe we should, uh, you know, maybe, maybe we need to see it for another year. And and if we do, if, if Tyler Van Dyke puts up the numbers, we think Rashard Smith may be making an appearance next year. And, and in fairness, we did write up a, wide receiver we wrote up Keyshawn Smith so we did write up Keyshawn okay. uh, Keyshawn made yeah. the guide yeah I think I wrote it <laughs> I did not yeah yeah see you even wrote it <laughs> um but one, one guy who was very very on the edge for me and I might have pushed harder um but uh I can't maybe I kind of regret it now a little bit but I mean, Tinsley's been getting some good buzz at a PSU as well. So, but my guy would have been uh, Keandre Lambert Smith, who's somebody that I, I like, I loved as a recruit and he's shown little flashes here and there, you know, big plays. He's got like one of the lowest shuttle times in like, in like recruit history. Like he's a, like, he just seems like he has a special talent that maybe he hasn't been able to show on the field yet. And I still have hope that maybe he could be the guy instead of Tinsley, or maybe I don't even know how Parker Washington, if he stays in the slot or whatever, and, and Keandre becomes the new Dotson, we never know. But that was one guy that maybe I could have pushed a little harder for, I think. Yeah. I, I, I so I wrote up Tinsley. He wasn't on the list, but I, I feel 
I felt that he should he deserved it. Um, yeah. KLS was another guy that I feel like, yeah, I was I was on the borderline with him too. I have a hard time writing up three Penn State wide receivers. I don't think yeah. they'll all three be relevant. Um, but it's it's kind of a coin flip between KLS and Tinsley. You know, I yeah. mean Tinsley, but it, it, he's got a lot of potential. And the guys at Penn State have been getting a lot of attention from the NFL too, mm-hmm. right? So I mean, it's it's more likely than not that one of these guys are going to be on the NFL radar by the time yeah. they, their draft year comes. So yeah, I mean, even guys like KJ Hamler, Deshaun Hamilton, mm-hmm. you know. There's like exactly, one and he's, he's in that mold too. He's really in yeah. that mold where the the, qu- the quick footed guy. So, yeah, yeah. So, well, you know, we're not going to get everything right here, um, but we think we think we got most of it here. But what was one thing that you guys might change for next year here? Uh, Mike, I'll kick this one over to you. Okay, uh, I wrote I wrote two down here, but we already talked about one earlier. It was when we start and end writing these profiles because the landscape changes. And if we're like writing stuff while ch- stuff is changing in the middle of it, like that just kind of sucks. But I don't really have a solution to that problem either. I don't know what's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. The it's hardest tough. part about that is because we want to really like we, we, when we first discussed this, cause I will, I'll just be hundred percent transparent with everybody. We kind of decided to do this back in like February. This wasn't something that was like, Oh, we've known for an entire year. We were going to do yeah. this. And then we all kind of got together as a team and said, we think June 1st should be the day that we release this. So with that being said, we kind of had to limit ourselves because even now, as you guys hear this, like Austin and myself and you guys, are, we're just putting the finishing touches on this past weekend. We want to make sure everything looks good before we put it out. So there is a fine amount of time you can put like we don't want to say okay we're going to release it you know as soon as the college football season kicks off a lot of people are already going into their debbie drafts and we're just now releasing the guide so it's it's kind of hard to figure out when's a good time to start and end writing it yeah the way we structured it too with the top being like you know the background the analysis being like the second paragraph really the only thing we're having to change is that third paragraph which is kind of like our prediction for him or his situation on how how we think it's going to go for him so i I don't think it's that big of a deal you know if anything i would say we should even start earlier because like we really killed it down the stretch and i'm like super (laughs) proud of this team but i was getting worried coming down the stretch like with how much we still had to do but matt too i'm sure yeah you you guys really no idea i was i was messaging austin so much i'm like dude we've got like 15 profiles (laughs) creating stuff over here but it all came together beautifully at the end Matt, Matt just sounded like Bill Burr there for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I was always um, dressed to the max. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, we, the, we, he, Matt's really been slaving away on all this stuff. If you guys want to donate to the Matt Fund to release him <laughs> from his ball and chain, uh, we're taking donations at Campus of Canton. We want him to live freely. We're done with the guides just, now. <laughs> Hopefully, I, just want I don't know. Everybody to say that it looks pretty so that Austin just gives me some kind of praise because he has not let me. I haven't even seen my wife and kids in two months. So I would just like to just like a simple higher text message. He's taken everything from me. This light that you guys, well, you won't see this, but if you could see me, there's one light in my entire house. Like it's just, I've been shackled away. I don't even know where I am. I just want the bag man to come and let me out so I can go back to my life. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I wanted us to that I would I would change is how we label tiers because uh, we just started talking about tiers, but we weren't. I don't know if we're all on the same page with tiers. Like for me, if it's tier zero, that's like a generational player. That's a instant impact. That's your Justin Jackson, Jamar Chase, you know. And then like tier one for me is like first round draft capital, like potential first round draft capital, potential impact player, like year one, like as a rookie. So yeah. anyway, something like that where we could have been all on the same page on tiers. Because I don't 
no, I, I'm really curious everyone's tiers were if they had to like label them. So I think it can, I think you can label the the beginning, like you were talking about, like guys who are, you know, that uh, that surefire hit or guys that we think have NFL potential but may yeah. not be top 24 or whatever. And then like as you go down, but then as you get down to like five and six and seven, it becomes a mix of guys who are like guys we're kind of waiting on or and guys who have really high upside and guys who have whatever. Yeah. So it's hard to like separate that once it gets lower. But I agree at the top that maybe there could be labels there to help differentiate that. And I don't really think we need labels as it gets deeper though, because it's just it's it's more of just guys we like or or have some kind of attachment to or whatever at, at that point. So yeah. Corey's a no labels kind of guy. Just real yeah, casual. Yeah. <laughs> casual. Free <laughs> spirit. I'm a free That's spirit. I'm, I'm Canadian, man. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. Like I, it's, it's hard for me to tier or to like really like put a description on a tier for like six, seven, eight. Um, you know, got, like I'm with you, Mike tier zero, that's like a generational incident impact guy. I wouldn't even have had Justin Jefferson in there. Um, uh, yeah, you know, no. you know, but, but right. Like that type of an impact tier one, first round draft capital, um, you know, tier two guys who could sneak into the back end, but like early day two, you know, tier three, you're looking at like mid day two. So like, that's kind of how I break it down early, but once you get into like day three, it's like, well, who cares if they go early day three, mid day three, late day three. So that's kind of where like I'll pivot a little bit and I'll start looking at like upside traits, um, you know, schools that they're going to and things like that. But it, it's just it's hard to like define the later tiers. Yeah. So I get what Corey's saying. But all right. This is an airing of grievances. Before we close out, is there anything any of you guys want to call somebody out for? And I know Felix is in here and Austin is in here. So, Matt, that really limits who you're going to call out on this one. But <laughs> No, I really don't. Like I said, I, I feel like we did a really good job. As as Really, I actually don't think any of the calls were that bad. I mean, even the wide receiver one that you missed out on, it was really just about JSN. And it was really just a battle, again, between our opinions. And I, I honestly understand where Felix is coming from. We just view JSN as a different player. I, I don't think he's limited to the slot. I know Corey kind of mentioned, echoed what I said. Like, I think he can play outside. That was really kind of the biggest argument we had that like really turned into a arguments of like yelling at each other. I felt like a lot of what we talked about, you know, I, again, I respect a lot of what Corey and Mike brought to the table and what they said. I, I, I learned a lot from their process and that's kind of my thing. It's like, I just enjoyed all of it. I mean, definitely I think some of my guys should have been higher and I disagree with the way you guys feel about it. But at the end of the day, I think the way we all came at it and approached it with the, with the respectability that we did, it makes it a very, very good guide. And I feel like a lot of the players are very well ranked because of that. Yeah. Um, definitely want to give everybody a shout out who worked on this guide here. Um, you know, Corey, Mike, you guys have been fantastic. Just carrying this, this Debbie team, you know, you guys, as you read through these guides, you're going to see Corey and Mike did the most profiles. These guys were killing it day in, day out. Um, just absolute studs with this. You know, I can't thank you guys enough. Matt, you know, appreciate you putting this whole thing together and all of the slaving uh, that you've done over this guide, you know, with your your ball and chain and, and you know, your, your one square meal a day. We appreciate that. Austin, Dwight doing all of the editing work. Uh, Hannah really helping with the design on the guide. You know, I apologize, Hannah and Dwight, for missing you guys at the beginning there. Um, but and Felix too, you know, working on profiles, promoting this guide. The Devi Summit was huge. 
Um, you know, so if you haven't listened to the Debbie Summit, definitely go check that out as well. That's over on YouTube. So I, you know, can't thank you guys enough for for all of the work that's gone into this. Um, for everybody listening there, definitely go check out the guide. It's available. Uh, if you're listening to this, it is available right now. You can go purchase it on the website. It's under guide downloads. It's $20. Should have it immediately. For whatever reason you don't, reach out to me um, at C2C Decker. Reach out to at Campus to Canton. Um, this guide will be available for NIL members for free, yearly NIL members for free. And anybody who pre-ordered it will get this in their uh, guide, in their inbox at midnight uh, on 6-1. Um, again, can't thank you guys enough here. Um, but that is going to do it for us here tonight. You know, definitely check out this guide here. Um, but I'm Colin. I'm Corey. Austin's gone. Campus life thing, so I didn't know. That's how I always end it. But Austin's gone, so we'll blame that one on him. But for for Matt, Mike, Corey, Austin, Felix, uh, Dwight, Hannah, everybody else who worked on this, I'm Colin. Thank you guys for listening. Have a good one. Thank you.